Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base. JonesWalker.com. And by the East Baton Rouge Parish School System, inspiring humanity through transformational learning in the classroom and community. Initiatives like Pathways to Bright Futures allow students to graduate high school with an associate degree or an industry-based credential along with their high school diploma. More information at ebrschools.org. And by Three Roll Estate Craft Rum Distillery, crafting premium rum from their own Louisiana sugar cane. Three Roll is cane to glass. From Mansur's on the Boulevard, we're out to lunch with Stephanie Regal. It's business, Baton Rouge style. Hi, I'm Stephanie Regal. Welcome to Out to Lunch. Someone famously once said it takes a village to raise a child, and this is no exaggeration, especially in today's complex, high-tech, polarized, and post-pandemic era. Families cannot do it alone. Raising balanced, productive little people requires not only concerned caregivers, but a robust school system and a variety of other programs that address emotional, psychological, and physical needs. With me today to discuss this is Dr. Cito Narcisse, superintendent of East Baton Rouge Parish Schools, which has more than 41,000 students at its 85 schools. Since taking over at the helm of the system in January 2021, Cito has rolled out an ambitious new strategic plan aimed at improving student achievement and creating a dual enrollment program that will help make more Baton Rouge students ready for college. CEDO comes to EBR schools with more than a decade as a school system administrator. Before coming to Baton Rouge, he served in key positions in the District of Columbia, Metro Nashville, Prince George County, Maryland, and Montgomery. He grew up in New York to Haitian parents, and his first language was Haitian Creole. So he actually learned English as a second language in school. The East Baton Rouge Parish School District is a sponsor of Out to Lunch, so we are taking advantage of that by having the superintendent as our guest. Thank you so much for being with us today. Hey, thank you for having me. Glad to be here. Joining me in CETO at the table are Nellie Ward and Jennifer Maka Abair of Basic Fitness, a lifestyle brand with a focus on health and wellness that offers a variety of services that include individual endurance training, preseason team fitness coaching, and nutrition coaching and guidance. They believe that healthy is happy, and they work to bring that mentality to their clients and communities. Their work is particularly focused on youth sports, which is why they dovetail so nicely with Dr. Narcisse, where they have noticed that young athletes are being coached out of sports at an early age, while advanced players don't really have access to sports-specific training. That's why they are developing a digital platform, an app, that focuses on athletic training and team management for the youth sports market. And Nellie and Jennifer know something about sports. Nellie is a nutritionist and a three-time Ironman who has competed in numerous marathons. And Jennifer is a four-time Ironman and marketing expert. Ladies, it's a pleasure to have you all with us. Thanks yes. for being here. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks for having us. We're excited. So, so Cito, tell us, I mean, no small thing to take over a school system the size of Baton Rouge's and with a lot of the challenges that East Baton Rouge, like many public school systems face, right? So you have, you've unveiled some ambitious plans. Tell us what you're really focused on 
a little yeah. more than a year in now. So, um, so a couple of things. One is I think that Baton Rouge has tremendous amount of potential that's un, uh, tremendous amount of potential that's untapped. Uh, I was just talking to the ladies here before. I was like, you know, I've been to so many places, and I said, man, there's stuff we should be doing already that we're just not. Uh, and, um, and sometimes people will say, well, there's all this new innovation and all that. Well, sometimes innovation is just us trying to do something different <laughs> and trying to capitalize on, you know, what we do really well in our city. And so my goal has been trying to bring, I always say, bringing kids' dreams closer to them. Uh, I think that uh, connecting industries to schools is the best thing um, to really do, uh, not only because it helps kids from an economic standpoint, but it helps kids to actually see like, hey, I can actually accomplish this. I mean, when you think about what goes in colleges and those things, we've had a very traditional approach around schooling. You know, I finish up high school and I go to college and I go to grad school. And, but now we can do like early college models where we can have not only help kids to be connected to what they want to do early, but also help them to kind of get to those pathways to be what they want to be. And so uh, a part of my plan has been to try to move kids to get closer into industry work, whether it's industry-based certifications or those things, by the time they graduate high school with associate's degrees, or at least some credits for college, so we save families money, but more importantly, they get into professions of things that they actually wanna do. Um, and I think that that's a very huge shift, which we're trying to do for the entire school system, not just one or two schools. Okay, well, I wanna dig into that a little bit more, because I think that's definitely an interesting discussion, but ladies, wanna bring y'all into the conversation here. and Tell us a little bit about the app that you're developing and, and what it will do for for, for youth sports in particular? Sure. Um, so we came across this idea during uh, COVID, right? Because I have athletes, and Ellie has coached athletes. I have children who are athletes. And we noticed that, like, at an early age, kids are either being marked athlete or not athlete, right, <laughs> at a very, very early age. And that sort of affects the trajectory of their life, right? So if you stay in sports, just like any sort of group organization, you have a, a good foundation, you have a good social circle, you have higher confidence. And so, like, the trajectory of your life continues to improve. And if you get coached out of a sport, then that sort of comes to a stop, right? And then you right. have to try to find another social circle. And I had seen uh, just situations where people were actively being coached out of sports, and that stressed me out as a mom. And I thought, like, how can we help, right? We don't necessarily coach sports for kids, but we do a lot of athletic training. So we thought if we could work with these kids and in increase their athleticism, then they would more than likely build their confidence. They would build a foundation of athleticism that would eventually help them in the particular sport they played. And we did it, and it worked, and then we decided there's got to be a piece of technology to help us sort of scale that idea. And we didn't find one, and so we just were joking one day, and we're like, what if we just built one? And then the next day it was like, no, like, seriously, what if we just built that? Yeah, and, and so... We, we kind of came to that problem because, um, you know, as they started to lift COVID um, restrictions and things like that, we like, we need to get kids out of their house. We need to get them active again. We need to get them moving. We need them to be around their peers in a safe distance, but just for their mental health and their physical health. So we started doing that. And really what we wanted to do was, you know, we were building their the fundamentals of athleticism for them. We weren't training them to be baseball players. We weren't doing this. We were just teaching them how to exercise and be healthy. And um, the goal of it was we were going to meet with certain kids each day and kind of divide them up, but we wanted to provide them workouts to do on their own, too, so that they – and we couldn't figure out how to give them those workouts without using an application or something like that. There was no real distribution no, model for No that. distribution model. So um, that's when we kind of – Jennifer called me. She was like, I just went for a run. What if we just make our own app? I was like, make our own app. So was do like, you I know, know anything about, about technology? That? <laughs> <laughs> no, but we can learn. <laughs> so that was um, that was in August of 2020, and so now here we are, and we we started um, in December. We started actually developing the app, so um, we're making moves each and every week on that. 
And like we were telling uh, Dr. Narcisse here is that it's one of the ideas is to sort of bring athleticism to everyone because there are certain kids who have higher access to that than others because of their backgrounds, because of their parents' connections, because of the teams they play on, because of the schools they go to. And then there are kids that just don't have access to that. And so this would hopefully like lay, like level the playing field. Mm-hmm. So like now even coaches at school say if you're the tennis coach and you just took on this as a, you know, the school needs a coach, you don't know much about how to train kids for tennis, you can go into the app and there's like a pre-built training program to help you get these kids in good enough shape and build the right muscle sets and coordination to help them develop as, as tennis players. So we're helping coaches, we're helping players, also helping parents because there's a lot of parents with, that we've noticed who want to put in the extra time and effort with their kids, but they don't know where to start. They don't know where to go. They don't know how to help their kids. And so they're trying lots of things, but there's, and they're not tracking any of it. So we're sort of helping build that foundation to help everybody, you know, achieve these goals. And in the end, it's just to keep kids healthier and active for longer. Dr. Narcisse, how how does it work in the EBR school system? I mean, because I know the learning needs are so great for so many kids. What about time for the extracurriculars for the sports? Is that built into the school day like it is, you know, say in the private school system or... Yeah, I mean, right now kids go through like PE and those things. Actually, since I've arrived, we've actually expanded sports. Um, Excellent. Um, what's, uh, I was a little surprised, to be frank with you. So, you know, when you come to a new place, a new city, you try to figure out, wow, like, you know, you're learning about the history, you know, how they named the street, you know, all the things about it. Uh, one thing I noticed was, like, uh, Baton Rouge has done a great job in producing all these athletes. I mean, you could go yesterday, I think it was signing day, and, you know, all these folks going to football, basketball, et cetera, et cetera. But I noticed that in EBR, which is the second largest school district, we didn't have elementary sports. Can you, I, I could Wait, not you don't believe have that. elementary sports? Like in we the... did not have, we did not have elementary sports. Wow. When I came in, so I looked at it, and I was like, how did they produce all these athletes? So what they've done is they did partnerships through Breck. Families had to pay to do sports and those things. Uh, but you did have sports in terms of middle, uh, some sports middle and high school. So what we did was we said, okay, let's put dollars towards expanding sports. You get kids as early as possible from pre-K to start getting them to do stuff. So we started with summer camps, and then we started to expand that across the system. So now we have elementary sports uh, in EBR and stuff then that within the year I've been here so we've been also trying to make sure that we have summer camps for kids to play sports and do a little bit of reading that's probably why the kids get a little upset with me but <laughs> <laughs> but um but to try to make sure that we're expanding because it's t- keeping kids involved is a big thing so those are kind of the major things and within the school some schools do different things around um uh, in terms of exercising and those things. So that varies across the schools. I mean, what I'm always trying to do is expand options, not limit them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also I tell folks our job is to keep kids busy, right? Mm-hmm. And, and, and I learned that children who are busy in a lot of different activities helps them to grow in a lot of different ways. And, uh, and I think that's uh, been our, our strategy. That's great. And, and ties into nutrition and health. And, Absolutely. You know, just Absolutely. a whole wellness sort of, which, Absolutely. which so many people need. Ladies, you said y'all developed an app. You just mm-hmm. Who did you hire a tech yeah, person? We to did. Visit? did. Have you had to raise money to All of develop you your tech? <laughs> yeah. We hired uh, Logan Leger and his team at New Aperio, right? So they're local. Right. They came he highly on the show one time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um, we are we have we're actually in the process of doing a lot of like investment raising capital, right? So we've raised enough wow. to build the app. Um, we're always in the process of bringing capital in because now we're at a phase where we're trying to bring in some coaches to help develop our base level content and mm-hmm. some other key people that we kind of need to bring on board. 
Um, so we're always looking at like how can we grow and sort of build this. And I would like to sort of t tackle a little bit of what you said about like the importance of sports for kids in school is that what we've learned is that like the benefit of sports is not so much that you grow up to be a great athlete, right? You, you do that, right? And you, you build great memories, but you also learn how to overcome challenges. You learn to win and lose with grace. You learn how to work as a team. You learn how mm -hmm. to like commit to other people with your time and energy. And those are life skills, right? And so when my kids were younger, we put them in sports, not so much hoping they would be great athletes, but that they would learn these very key lessons that sports taught me and my husband. And I know Nellie feels the same way. And that's kind of how we ended up narrowly focusing on this. It's like the benefits that sports give you outside of just health and wellness. It's those sure. life skills. Yeah. So we, we did a lot of work with, um, on top of that with, you know, now we have new Aperio. We've worked a lot with um, the tech park in town. Um, and they've been phenomenally supportive of everything we've done and yeah. help point us in so the right direction. We've, we've met a lot of um, great people, and it's kind of fun to bring this piece of technology. You know, from Louis we're bringing it from Louisiana. We're going to start with it in Louisiana. Um, and if Louisiana actually per capita develops the most amount of college and pro athletes. No so, kidding. That's um, a statistic that comes courtesy of if, some yeah. yeah. We've, did, we've done, done a lot, a lot of research. Of research. Okay. <laughs> 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 research was my life this past year. But, um, yeah, so per capita, we produce the most amount. And so just, you know, it's almost like, wow, if we're already producing those, like think about how many are kind of just flying under the radar right now that we could be hitting, you know, mm -hmm. and how many lives we could be changing within our own state. Amazing. So um, that's, that's part of our goal as well. So when you talk about technology and CEDAW, I know um, we were talking before we started taping about about the importance of, you know, the, the way the economy is changing and AI and preparing kids for a digital economy because it's already here. I mean, but as you mentioned, it, this isn't just about sending kids to four-year college. It's about preparing, I mean, because there's so many opportunities in technical trades today. It's not just like welding, not that there's anything wrong with welding, but medical tech or just all sorts of things. So how are y'all steering kids onto the right path for them? Yeah, so one of the main goals that we're doing, so next year, uh, for example, uh, we're gonna move all ninth graders into what I call our Pathways of Bright Future, where children will be able to uh, get more um, access to advanced courses. So we're requiring that students will uh, have either to take dual enrollment or AP classes. Dual enrollment or AP. Or okay. AP. Uh, we've, we've been building this program since I arrived. I've been working with LSU, Southern University, BRCC, and a lot of other stakeholders on trying to figure out what are the labor markets in terms of opening of the jobs that are for now, and how do we create opportunities for kids to not only get more um, advanced courses in the opportunity, but more importantly, get these industry-based certifications because we have all these jobs and the city's growing and they don't have people. They gotta go out and recruit mm -hmm. in Austin, Texas, or in Houston, or in or in Alabama, or some other places. And I'm saying like, hey, we produce in East Baton Rouge 2,500 students that graduate a year, yeah. right? And I tell folks like, we have children that can literally go and work right now. And, uh, and you know, if you get certain industry-based certifications, you can come out of school making $90,000 graduating high school with an associate's degree and a certification. Wow. So so what I said was, let's try to create an opportunity, a system where we give access for all those kids. And it's a gradual progression, of course. Mm -hmm. uh, but I, there's a, some fundamental beliefs I tell folks too, right? So you may hear people say, well, I don't know if I want to expose kids as early as possible. What I tell people 
You're talking to a guy who grew up speaking another language. I was a young kid that uh, my mom and dad uh, gave me all these languages and stuff. And, and, and children are more like sponges when they're younger. So it's the best time to help them think through what they want to do and how they want to be as they're exploring and going through progression. And then, and then giving them the opportunity to say, hey, I can actually do that. Uh, when you find children don't get to where they want to get to uh, in their lives, it's because I would argue they are exposed um, either they find difficulty to get there, right? Mm -hmm. The barrier could be an academic piece or something like that, or it could be also they haven't been exposed to it, right? And I think that uh, we're in a great opportunity right now, especially as our city's growing and all these things, to make sure we can kind of close those barriers as quickly as possible. Fantastic. I'm Stephanie Regal. I'm talking to Cito Narcisse of the East Baton Rouge Parish School System and Nellie Ward and Jennifer Maka Abair of Basic Fitness. Ladies, let's go back to the app for a minute and tell me a little bit about, are, are y'all selling it? I mean, sort of what's your financial model? Do y'all charge for your services? Or are you hoping to get into school systems? A little bit of everything? A little bit of everything. Yeah. Um, so we are currently like, you know, finalizing some of those types of decisions and the monetization of it. Okay. Um, and we're looking at doing a subscription service, right? So selling it to individuals individual athletes, right? So say you have a baseball player who wants to become a better pitcher and instead of going to a pitching coach, you could do a lot of exercises that build your core strength, your quad strength, your arms, your shoulders, like the muscle groups that go into being a better pitcher because your mechanics are good. You just need more strength and speed, right? Um, another situation is is selling it to all the competitive like travel tournament teams. So that's your soccer, volleyball, baseball, softball, those types of things where the whole organization buys it. It's all age appropriate and sport specific. So like volleyball players are doing like workouts that are very specific to volleyball, not football or another sport, right? Because mm -hmm. I know Nellie and I have d talked about our own like backgrounds in sports and we've also interviewed a lot of people and it sounds like there is a lack of sports specific training, um, especially at yeah. really large schools. A lot of that tends to funnel through the football program and then kind of trickles off. And we've noticed there's a lot of gaps in training. So like you do summer weightlifting if you're in high school and if you're a fall sport, that's great. If you're a spring sport or a winter sport, there's a gap in training. Sure. So you make gains and then you fall backwards. And so then looking at how do you get into the school systems, right? And so we're looking at going with middle schools first because they have a lack of strength and conditioning coaches, all that, but they do have sports programs, right? And a lot of the, the, some of the coaches are parents, some of them are teachers, right? So there's, they just have a different need and then solve, mm -hmm. helping solve their problem and then going into the high schools where you have some that have all the strength and conditioning experts who have these well-built programs, but you also have some schools that don't have access to that. So how do you sort of level the playing field and like have everybody have access to it and it would track athletes data so they're getting updates when they do better when they start running faster lifting more and so there's that sort of internal like um gratification that you know you're getting better nice. right so you keep right. pushing yourself and you keep congratulating your teammates and we've yeah. spent a lot of time researching the market researching what's out there yeah. talking to a ton of athletes a ton of parents coaches at every single level like travel ball middle school high school college to kind of vet what we're doing and make sure that we're building a tool that truly is something that is needed and will be used. Well, mm -hmm. and you know, I, um, I have a background in coaching, you know, track and cross country. And I've learned that in middle, middle school age is either where the program makes it or the program falls apart. Because if you don't get them in at that age group, the likeliness of them joining in high school seriously decreases. But also, you know, if we're, keeping, if we're starting them in sports and they're continuing to stay in sports, through their high school career, after school, they're not getting into as much trouble. They are participating right. in something. They're part of a team. They're hold, being held accountable. Yeah. Um, so kind of, you know, we're going to start with that middle school market knowing that, you know, if you start developing a program right now with these sixth graders, six years from now, you'll have sixth through 12th 12, 12 graders, you know, 
working and having an established program. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's repeatable because mm -hmm. like if say you start building one and you decide to modify it, like we need to get everyone faster. So let's try this training module and then you test it and it works. Well, now you know that's a proven way to train certain kids to do certain things. And so over time, like we're talking about technology and like smart thinking, like the the computer and algorithms will help sort of help you identify what is and what isn't working. Yeah. And coaches will be able to make their own plans if they want to. Um, You know, it's it's all going to be adaptable to what the schools, the coaches, and the teams, and the kids need. And, and speaking of adaptable, how, how adaptable or willing to change CETO ha- has the community in Baton Rouge been? I mean, specifically more like the parents and the education. I mean, it's hard to to get people to think about K-12 through education in new ways, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and especially if they haven't seen it modeled somewhere else and they yeah. don't have a world, you know, sort of a broad world view with a yeah. lot of knowledge of, you know, yeah, I mean... Uh, you're getting pushback, I guess, yeah, is what I I'm mean, asking in yeah, fancy words. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we get pushback on anything that's new, something that's not understood, or if it's not built out fully from their understanding, you know. But, I mean, I think that's a part of trying to grow as a community. I mean, you know, you can't you can't do the same thing over and over again and expect to get, you know, a different result. And I right. think that uh, what we're trying to do is trying to accelerate quickly um, and kind of expand because, you know, the time is now. It's not like 10 years mm-hmm. from now. And so... I think what we've been trying to really do is trying to get as much information out to people. I mean, even if people were skeptical, you say, okay, we got to keep talking to you about this. But, it, you know, the, the reality is, is also um, I find our community being in like three different places. You know, you have one community that gets it like, oh, my gosh, let's do this. You know, they've, they've seen other places. And I have another community where, you know, they probably have not been exposed to it or they're worried about, you know, is it going to harm or something like that. And then I have another community that, you know, you know, they just got a little bit not always as engaged. Um, and so I just think, you know, we have to always try to balance that too. But anytime you're bringing anything new to the table mm-hmm. and that's different, you're always going to get some sense of, you know, pushback around it. But I, I can tell you this, uh, you know, um, a part I know of our work is not only engaging the community and bringing people along, but it's also pushing innovation to make sure it happens. And, you know, I, I tell folks to, you know, you know, when you talk about the work we're doing, right, industry work and dual enrollment and AP and all this stuff, you know, four years from now or five years when we have a number of kids going through this and getting economics is changing and doing that, you know, you know, this too shall pass, right? <laughs> They'll be like, oh, thank goodness we went down this road. So, I mean, what, but, you know, it's just it's just a part of the culture. And, um, yeah. and I think it's always trying to make sure we stay the course to do that. And so, uh, you know, I tell f- families, you know, uh, it's always um, it's always fearful. Things are always fearful when you don't know the unknown. Uh, and a part of I know our job, you know, when you're running an organization, is that you're trying to forecast what's always coming up or what ways to be innovative, right? I mean, Steve Jobs when he had to sit down and think about Apple, you know, if he set out and waited for everybody to feel good about him before I start building something different and doing that, it would have never happened, right? Yeah. And so I think that this is the same kind of approach in this work. So I've covered like education and education reform efforts for a de- couple of decades now. And I mean, the thing I can't get around is that whatever great things the schools are doing, when you have these sort of underlying socioeconomic problems that are pervasive in the community and intergenerational poverty, how do you work with that, right? I mean, does it mean like breakfast for kids, you know, starting with the pre- pre-K or mandatory pre-K or? Yeah, yeah. How, how, like there's only so much the schools can be expected to do, right? Yeah, I mean, I think I think it's all of the above, right? I mean, the reality is, you know, what's hard as a, from a superintendent standpoint or whether you have community people working together to try to change 
change a context in a, in a city or in a parish is that, you know, you have to do all those things constantly, like being on steroids, you know, and, yeah. and moving forward. I mean, um, things that we will never, re- well, I think there's things we can resolve and things that we cannot resolve. So, for example, things I think is always hard to resolve is you're never going to resolve all the social problems of the world, right? There's some things that are generational and those things, but you can uh, resolve ways on changing that um, outcome and structure. So an example would be, I tell folks, I believe that the achievement gap, for example, is a socioeconomic gap, right? And people will give you all this other reason of what achievement gap is, but really to me, socioeconomics, because you're talking to somebody whose parents came to the United States, right, Mm -hmm. who were who didn't have a whole lot. My father was a taxi driver and his life changed when he had a conversation with this Asian professor that they were recruiting in New York when we were in New York City. And um, and that guy gave my dad uh, his first job uh, in terms of a technical job, to get a career technical degree. My mom did that, my mom used to work at a diner. Once they got that career technical job, we instantly go from you know, I have not to a middle class have. Wow. So resources change, all those things change, right? And so as those things change, we get exposed to more. We think differently, all those things, right? And so I tell folks, like it, the, the gap that we're trying to close when I look at like, um, when people talk about industry-based certification, all that, is to try to give an opportunity so kids can change their context, um, uh, not economically, which will impact what goes on in schools. But schools sometimes, the reality is we have a very traditional approach. You know, we go sit in class, it's a very structured way, you know, let's all, you know, get degrees in art or whatever, you know, which is all great things, right? But it is not always, kids don't see, like, what does this lead to at the end goal, yeah. right? And I think that our, our job is to get them to begin to see that earlier. Uh, and I also think that social media has changed our dynamic, right? Um, I always tell folks, you know, people say, well, I want to make sure my child's not communicating with uh, uh, with, with, you know, no, they always say, well, my child only, work, only thinks about what goes on in their neighborhood. And I'm like, no, your child's on social media. They have that Instagram or um, um, what's the other one? Uh, Snapchat. Snapchat and all that. Yeah. They're talking to everybody across the state, you know, all right. around the world. You right. know? I mean, they, they are, children are accelerating in a lot of ways, but we are not keeping up with that. Correct. So you have Absolutely. to reconstruct how they um, do it. It's just like how you talk about the apps and you, you guys speak in my language. Like, you know, how do we figure out different ways? Of, but schools have to adapt accordingly and that means it's a change also for how teachers function with kids and and how we function on opportunities with kids and those things and I think that uh, we have to keep up with the times and I also think Baton Rouge is prime for that right now um, so well that's that's very helpful I'm glad to hear it and and ladies just before we wrap up y- y'all are both Ironmen that's that's a pretty huge <laughs> achievement in and of itself. And multiple time Ironmen yes and um, how did that how does that really sort of I guess help you know um, prepare you or or made you like um, you know for this company that you started for this business well that's actually how we know each other um (laughs) for for training yeah well i actually was um jennifer's intern when i was in college okay we worked at the louisiana marathon um jennifer used to be a part owner of that race and so we started and she did her first ironman i remember we went and met for coffee because i had we were i was doing something (laughs) for her and she was like i'm going out of town I'm doing an Ironman. Wow. Um, and I had I had a background as a runner. I'd run marathons and things like that. And um, I grew up as a swimmer. And I was like, oh, so Ironman. Okay. So then, you know, I kind of got into it. I signed up for an Ironman all by myself. Um, you know, it was not the smartest decision I'd ever made. So Jennifer was <laughs> like, um, you're not doing that alone. So she signed up with me. <laughs> and, and then we just then became best friends and kind of started this, you know. <laughs> 
we did we realized that we both share a passion for you know keeping people healthy and active and engaged but we also you know the thing about Ironman and thing about racing um at that level is that you know you can't cheat it like you put in the work that it, it, it's only you like no one can do it for you there's no going around it so I think that we it, t- it takes a certain type of um, mindset and personality <laughs> to do it so I think that it, you know it we it lined us up well for starting this company um and just kind of sharing that mindset with youth athletes and even adult athletes currently we do train some adult athletes that are training for marathons and Ironman so just kind of helping them you know that you have to do the work there's there's no way around there, it there's definitely the perseverance thing yeah. and, well, and there's the a saying when you're doing a race like that it's yeah. like perpetual forward motion like it, on yep. race day mm-hmm. there's a, it's it's crisis management a lot mm-hmm. of things could go wrong but you just want to make sure that you're always moving forward and and the goal is long and i think that's kind of the situation where now we have a long goal we know where we want to end up but we just have to take one step every day to, to moving forward well, Jennifer Maka, Abear, Nelly Ward, and Dr. Cito Narcisse, you all are working so hard to move the community forward to improve education and opportunity for young people in Baton Rouge and elsewhere. And there's nothing more worthwhile than that. So thank you all so much for all that you do and for taking time out of your schedules to join me today on Out to Lunch. Thank, thank you for having us. My guests today on Out to Lunch have been East Baton Rouge Parish School Superintendent Cito Narcisse and Nellie Ward and Jennifer Maka Abair of Basic Fitness. You can find out more about the East Baton Rouge School System and Basic Fitness by listening to the Out to Lunch Baton Rouge podcast. You can find and subscribe to the Out to Lunch Baton Rouge podcast anywhere you get podcasts and on our website, it's batonrouge.la. If you want to know what we all look like, you can find photos from this show on itsbatonrouge.la and on our Out to Lunch Baton Rouge social media. Photos are taken by Eric Otts, and you can find more of Eric's photos on Instagram at at acro, that's A-C-R-E-A-U-X. Out to Lunch is a production of INO Broadcasting for itsbatonrouge.la and WRKF 89.3 FM. The producer of our show is Grant Morris. Our technical producer is Eric Merle. Today's show was engineered by J.T. O'Neill. Our associate producer is Peter Raschuti. Our Baton Rouge business consultants are Charlie D'Agostino and Ann Edelman. I'm Stephanie Regal. Thanks for joining me. I look forward to meeting you around the table at Mansour's again next week for more business Baton Rouge style on Out to Lunch. Out to Lunch Baton Rouge is recorded live over lunch at Mansour's on the Boulevard in Baton Rouge. Mansur's is open for lunch daily, 11 to 2, for dinner nightly, and for brunch on Saturdays and Sundays. Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base. JonesWalker.com. And by the East Baton Rouge Parish School System, inspiring humanity through transformational learning in the classroom and community. Initiatives like Pathways to Bright Futures allow students to graduate high school with an associate degree or an industry-based credential along with their high school diploma. More information at ebrschools.org. And by Three Roll Estate Craft Rum Distillery, crafting premium rum from their own Louisiana sugarcane, Three Roll is cane to glass. Mitchell Foreman wrote and performs all the music on Out to Lunch. You can hear Mitchell's music anywhere great jazz is sold or streamed and at mitchellforeman.com.